Hey Queen! Welcome to another episode of Is This Movie, You Know, where we talk about movies that are significant to the LGBTQIA community and view them through a gay lens. Then we discuss whether or not the movie is, you know, gay. I'm Fernando. I'm Josh. And we are your gay co-hosts. As always, make sure that you're following us on social media. We are at isthismovieyouknow.pod on Instagram and isthismovieyouknow on Facebook. You can also email us at isthismovieyouknow at gmail.com. You can expect the casual mention of same-sex intercourse and the occasional curse word to be dropped here and there. Like darn. Shucks. Wiener. Mitch McConnell. And fucking. So we hope you're ready. Because this podcast is about to get... so excited for this week's episode the way I am for every episode but it's because we're going to be talking about GBF have you seen GBF before Fernando um no I mean I had heard about it in the past it's like one of those movies that like I thought that the budget was $25 so I never bothered um (laughs) and um as you can imagine by now this was a Josh episode. Well, wait, what is that supposed to mean? A Josh because, episode? Because you you requested it. Oh, you requested yeah. we 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 cover this one. Oh, that's true. Yes, I did. This is a, this is a Josh one. I had I hadn't seen the film up until the moment that you told me that we should cover this one. And we usually like whenever I finish watching a film that Josh recommended. I, like, immediately text him my opinion, and this time I didn't. Um, so he doesn't know how I feel about this film. Oh my god, so exciting. Um, what do you think? I think you're gonna hate this movie, because I love it. <laughs> and that's the only reason why. Um, for those of you who haven't seen G- GBF, it is available for free on YouTube. Literally, it is free on YouTube. For a while it was on Netflix, um, but now it is free on YouTube, so go watch it if you haven't yet. I really loved this movie, and for a while, this was one of my favorite gay movies. I I love this movie so much, I think it's hysterical, and every time I watch it, I just erupt in laughter. There are so many jokes per minute, and like, teen comedies feel very cliche, but GBF is like, it's a very aware in the way that Mean Girls is, you know? Um, you, you disagree. Oh, God. No, um, <laughs> I, I surprisingly, um, really enjoyed this film. <gasps> yeah. What? Um, I wouldn't compare it to Mean Girls at all. I think this film is the spiritual sister of But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, Interesting. If John Waters were to make a film in 2013, um, like a satire, and he had any idea of what teenagers, you know, <laughs> talk about or care about, it would probably be this. That's so interesting. I hadn't I, thought about that before. I, um, I actually watched it with my roommate, who is a straight woman, and she had watched it before. I hadn't. And she was like, oh, you're absolutely going to hate it. And they started doing, like, some jokes, some of, like, the more, like, edgier and, like, slash offensive jokes. And she was, like, outraged on behalf of me 
while I was laughing. <laughs> and I think that's like the same thing with, with But I'm a Cheerleader, that if you have a well-meaning ally watching with you, they would probably feel outraged by the humor. But if you're a gay person, you instantly notice that you're in on the joke. Yes. Um, yes. And that it's, supposed, it, that it's supposed to be a satire of how queer people are portrayed and and how queer people's like stereotypes are are treated by society. Well, why don't we what's the plot of this film, Josh? Well, before I get into the plot, I just want to put it out there for people who don't know what a GBF is. GBF stands for gay best friend, and it's this trope in mostly like comedy movies in which the gay person is reduced to being the best friend or, like, the sidekick to a straight female protagonist and really only serves as a token minority. Jokes are done at their expense, and they serve to, like, help the straight female protagonist get what she wants. I, I want to stress that this is... Like, a GBF also, like, exists outside of media. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and in general, the phenomenon of being the GBF is, you know, like, that criticism that a lot of straight women use straight men as an accessory rather than... Use gay men as an accessory. Yeah, use gay men as an accessory rather than, you know, treat us like people that may not, you know, that may not fit with the stereotype of what a gay man looks like. So, like, they ask us about fashion and, and about pop culture and our opinion on boys we may very well be interested in those things, but we might also have interests outside of that. So, right, G- exactly. Have, have you ever been a GBF? Um, there have, have you been, ever felt like a GBF? Yes, there have been times where I have felt like there, like there was a girl who was like, I don't want to say out of my league, but like someone who I wouldn't normally be talking to, like taking an interest in me, but like not actually taking an interest in me, just taking an interest in my hot takes. And then asking for my advice and other hot takes for her entertainment. But, like, at, at one point I was like, does this girl really know me? Like, like, why do we hang out so much and why do I feel kind of empty afterwards? Mm. You know? And yeah. part of that is because I'm an introvert, you know, so, so social interactions can feel draining. But, like, this was <laughs> a little different, um, this, this one case. And the okay. thing is, she, she was a perfectly lovely person. I don't think she was aware she was doing it. But she was. Right. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that's the most common occurrence, is that more often than not, they won't realize what they're doing. Right. Um, sometimes it's, like, really well-meaning people. Um, and then, out of nowhere, you are reduced to a stereotype. Have you ever been a GBF? Um, I don't think so. I feel like my best friend's have been my best friends even before I was out. So, like, I was always, like, the opinionated one, and I feel like that was more of the reason to why I was asked about, you know, my (laughs) hot takes, rather than me being gay. Um, And once I came to college, um, I've never, I've never really felt like an accessory to, there's been moments, you know, that, like, straight women have said something, like, kind of inappropriate that I'm like, you probably shouldn't be saying that. (laughs) Um, which is the reality for a lot of gay men in general, yeah. um, which we forgive because they're our friends at the end of the day. But no, I, I've never, I've never really, really felt like a GB, GBF. No. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, 
So GBF is a 2013 teen comedy film directed by Darren Stein, written by George Northey. It stars Michael J. Willett, Paul Iacono, Jojo, Sasha Pieters, Andrea Bowen, Xosha Roquemore, Natasha Leone, and Megan Mullally. Its main character is Tanner. Tanner and Brent are the two gays in their high school. They're both closeted. But Brent wants to be the first out gay in the high school. And Brent has a full plan to become a popular girl's gay best friend and ascend the ranks of high school popularity. Because in this world, at this time, having a gay best friend is like a status symbol that all the girls want. Um, Brent learns that Tanner has a new phone, so they download this app called Guidar, which is kind of like Grindr, on Tanner's phone, so that Brent can see if there are other gay men in their area. Meanwhile, the school's gay-straight alliance needs a gay member to actually be a club, so this girl is like, we're gonna find a gay, and they download the app and literally- Play by JoJo. Yes, yes, JoJo. (laughs) And they, and that's how they find Tanner's cell phone, and they out him. So- Tanner becomes the first out gay at school, and as a result, the most popular girls in school begin to fight over having him as their gay best friend. Right. Well, you didn't, you didn't talk about the subplot. Well, oh yeah, so um, Tanner initially gets bullied, so out of rage, he outs Brent to his mom, and that relationship, or, or, the, or that friendship between them becomes very fraught. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Well, they they do end up hooking up. Do they? That's never explained. No. no. I don't think they did. Well, after a night that they wake it's up on, 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 the, on their underwear, they have a major falling out, um, and then they reconcile, and then they decide to be best friends rather than um, pursuing something romantically. Um, yeah, that's a plot of GBF. Yeah. As I said... I love this movie. I know it's a silly teen comedy, but I think it's so smart. The screenplay is absolutely fantastic. And I feel like it does pay homage to Mean Girls very often. It feels like Mean Girls meets the prom. Because there is a prom-related subplot right. in the second half of the film. That's very interesting. But, is it? Um, I think it's interesting. But, like, think about it. Like, Brent has a shrine to Lindsay Lohan. One of the characters does an unauthorized Mean Girls musical. Tanner narrates it the way that um, Katie Heron narrates Mean Girls. And, like, right. the structure of the movie is almost identical down to, like, the three popular girls, not to mention the climax. And JoJo is a low-rent Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> they couldn't get Lindsay Lohan, they got JoJo. Well, um, well Lindsay Lohan was already, like, 30 by the time... And JoJo was that. 30. JoJo's 30? How old do you think JoJo is? Oh my god, I feel so old. I feel like... <laughs> yeah, right now, well, right now she's 30. So back then oh, okay. she was 23. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, well, kind of how I was saying, like, that I was watching it with my roommate. I think the, the problem with this film, and the problem that I, you know, that I think that But I'm a Cheerleader also had, and that's the biggest barrier to jumping um, into the mainstream is that not a lot of people can tell that it's a satire. And unfortunately, I mean, that's kind of, it's the, the quasi B-movie quality of it from, you know, like the sets and like the dialogue to really like the acting of, not that ever anyone was like absolutely terrible, but that like overacting can be easily be confused by horrible acting. Right, um, right. That everyone's doing here. Right. Um, 
But I, I actually really did enjoy this film. I thought it was really funny. They couldn't get a single cute gay man in the whole film. What are you talking about? They were all so hot. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now you know uh, what Josh's type is like. Oh my god, they were all um, so cute. And they're all gay. All the actors They're all gay, gay yes. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, yeah, they weren't cute. But I really enjoyed the fact that this film did what the prom couldn't do, really. Um, which is to have different LGBTQ narratives yes. inserted into a movie. Yes. Like, different different kinds of LGBTQ experiences. There's the protagonist, um, Tanner. Um, he has Republican parents, and he's scared of coming out. Um, he's also, like, a nerd. He's also a nerd. He's very into comics. Is he the one that he's into comics? Yeah, yeah, yes. he's into comics. Um, he's into comics. And he's shy. Um, he's very shy. He's kind of effeminate, but not outwardly. And, like, he, like, wears, like, quote-unquote, straight-presenting clothes. But he's very much sure of his sexuality, as everyone else in the movie, which I actually, um, other than the one case that we right. talked about. Um, <laughs> but everyone is very much secure of their sexuality here. And then you got the experience of, of um, Brent. Brent, yeah. They all, they all these sounds like gay porn names. Um, <laughs> and I think that was kind of the point. Intentional, All of the names yeah. are very exaggerated and absurd. Right. Um, <laughs> Caricatures. Who, who is, like, very flamboyant, like, tries to dress pretty flashy. He, I would say, it's kind of like the embodiment of queerness. That like, You know, that kind of gay man that when they come out in high school, like, the friends were like, we know. Yeah, um, in fact, his mom knows he's gay before he even comes out. And she, like, right. slips hints, like, do you got poppers? <laughs> um, yeah, played by Megan Molly, who's actually really good in this film. <laughs> and... Um, then you have the other experience of, I forget the British guy that Tanner hooks up with, um, well, doesn't hook up with, but like, you know, it's, it's set up with, you know, like someone who's like very sure of their sexuality, they're out to everyone, they are hypersexual and they feel very comfortable, they're very sex positive. Um, and then you have the other experience, Christian, which is Christian, 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 and and then you have the other experience of the Mormon guy, Topher. his name is Topher, who is the boyfriend of one of the girls that he that Tanner becomes friends with, Schley's boyfriend, um, yeah, and who is who knows he's gay, but he is closeted and tries to hook up with people on the DL. He is like. Just, like, let me do this until I can go on my mission. Which is also the reality for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I, I, I think I think this movie got those things right. And all the loose ends were, like, tied up. We also have a, a coming out scene in this movie, too. And what would be, like, the central, like, focal point of a lot of movies, this is, like, a two-minute scene. Right. That, that didn't feel like it dragged on at all. Um, and the two minutes that were given to that were more than necessary. Yeah, I like. I I actually like it. it you can totally tell that th- this was these were gay men portraying. Yeah, I felt like this movie was really made by gays for gays, and I think it is very successful at that. And I think that everyone like camps it up. I think that everyone was in on the joke, even the girls. Yes. Yes. And. The case for the prom, the real-life case happened in 2010, and this came out in 2013. If that real-life case wasn't real, 
the prom would feel heavily inspired by this movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because the prom subplot is basically the same as the prom. Um, right. <laughs> just with gay men. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just so interesting, like, like the things that these characters are willing to do to ascend the ranks and be popular. All the characters are using Tanner. They all want him as either a status symbol or someone to bounce ideas off of, but he's just a sidekick to them, and it's a little dehumanizing. And I think that what the movie gets right is that it's not just on them to stop treating him like less than. It's on mm-hmm. him, too, to stand up for himself. Right. You know, that they all promise him things in return, but they don't give him any sort of meaningful friendship until he discovers it for himself, what he wants. I think that mm-hmm. that one of the points that this movie is trying to make is that putting a label on someone robs them of making those discoveries for themselves of who they are and what they want. No, I totally get it. And... <laughs> This is even, I, even though I found the, the movie completely amusing. This is one of the, one of those that I really cannot relate, and that's the beauty of queer cinema. You know, like you can tell eight hundred thousand queer stories, and they all, you know, they don't have to look the same. Exactly. Um, exactly. I, yeah, this thing. is like an. I'm telling you, this is an aspect of of queerness that I couldn't relate at all. And I guess that's a positive. Thank you to all my girlfriends um, <laughs> out there for not treating me like a purse. Um, but, you know, comments like those you 100% grew up with around. Uh, in one scene, one of, one of, the, one of the white girls uh, tells Caprice when they're finally like, starting an alliance uh, to like, organize a prom, she says to Caprice, like, oh, I've always wanted an SBF. And she was yeah. like, an SBF? And she's like, a sassy black friend. And I'm like, I went the way I audibly, like, gasped when that was said. It was, like, insane. <laughs> um, and and the, the thing about this movie is that it's... That was, like, a point of the directors and the writers and the creatives to say that, like, more than one marginalized community is used often as an accessory for other people, for people yes. in power. Yes. Um, and I've... I've, like, been told, like, oh, my God, now you can teach me how to dance just because I'm Hispanic. Um, <laughs> and and I don't know what they say to the Jewish community. You haven't taught me anything, Josh. But um, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I've been friends with you for I don't know how long, but, like, you've never taught me to dance once. Right. So. Um, <laughs> because uh, Josh's bedtime is 11 p.m. So he can't, he can't go out of a club. But, like, that's, you know, like, I, I really enjoyed that the film made a point that, like, just, yes, the movie's about GBFs, but also, like, you know, tokenism yeah. is not limited to sexuality. Right. And I think that's the wider message of the film. Um, and, yeah, I, like, really, I, I, like, oddly thought that this movie was smart. Oh my god, you yeah. don't know how happy I am. Although, I don't know, maybe our listeners like it when we don't agree and then we argue, right. but I don't know, this is also nice too. <laughs> and this also means that, you know, we can contact the actors of the film because uh, they don't have to listen right. for an hour exactly. of me like, tearing on their film. <laughs> exactly. Also, I do want to say, I really want Tanner's wardrobe. I don't know who did the wardrobe on this movie, 
I'm going to look it up. I really need to know. And I want them to style me. Ladies and gentlemen, now you know why Josh is single. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, I mean his wardrobe it's when he, so like, gaze it up. Yes. You know? Yes. You're I, not, make, you're I not love doing that. yourself any favors. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, oh, my God, um, yes. Like, 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 this is what I should have been in high school. Anyway, oh, I also, real quick, um, shout out to two big allies in this film that I think give stellar performances. Megan Mullally, I thought she was hilarious and with the limited work, you know, that she was given as the overly supportive mother of, of Tanner. Brent. Uh, Brent, yes. Um, she was really, really funny. Um, hilarious. She was hilarious and... She gave it her all. I think that this was most definitely probably like a favor to the director. Um, <laughs> and I just know that Megan Mullally loves the gays. Um, so thank you, and Megan. And we love you, Megan. Um, I know she's a big fan of the podcast. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, she, she, she will be listening to this. I and think Natasha Lyonne. Yeah. Yes. Natasha Lyonne, who's, she is known as a comedic actress, but not this kind of comedic actress. She's so, like, do you watch Orange is the New Black? Yeah. It's she like it's a very, very different role. It's a very different role. Here she's like really upbeat as like the teacher that heads the um, GSA, and she has like probably like one was one of my favorite moments of the film um, when she was saying how her roommate um, was gay. Oh, and, and then how he's no longer with, with us. He's no longer with and, us, and <laughs> and then and like Fawcett one of the girls, like, she was like, like <laughs> she, she's like, oh my god, he got the hiv, <laughs> and if you don't know. <laughs> it's like an HIV, and I was like, that thought it's it was like, funny. Duh, he died of the HIV. <laughs> he died of the HIV. I had never heard that. That was like a really funny moment. She was like, oh my god, no. She, he actually got a leather daddy and moved to LA, to San Diego, and I got to uh, move in with my cat. Um, that was like a really, really funny, that was a really funny moment. It was hilarious. She, she delivered the fuck out of it. Um, yeah. And the thing is, she was also in, but I'm a cheerleader. And I feel like you were saying that this is kind of like, like the spiritual sister to, but I'm a cheerleader. So I can't help but wonder if maybe casting her in this role was, was a conscious decision. Could be. She was fantastic. Was However, great. I do want to say that there is one thing that keeps this from being a perfect film for me. And it is a matter of taste. It is not a matter of bad filmmaking or anything. But I felt that the ending was a little too clean. I personally wanted Fawcett and Caprice and Schley to earn Tanner's respect a little bit more. Mm. And I don't feel like they did. I felt like they changed too quickly and Tanner was just sort of like, okay, we can be friends. And I guess that is part of Tanner's personality, and it's part of the fact that in these teen comedies, we do need everything to wrap up very sweet at the end. But I don't know. I wanted Tanner to expect a little more from them, you know? From their friends? Yeah. 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 Because I think also Tanner, he's sort of, he was sort of on a journey of self-discovery, too. And I feel like one of the things that I wanted him to discover was that he shouldn't let people push him around so often. Right. Um, and he was, even by his friends. Right, um, exactly, exactly. One problem I had with, with optics, one of the reasons to why Caprice was, was wanted to be friends with, with Tanner 
was because she wanted to become like the, the first like di- quote unquote diverse couple in the school for prom king and queen. Um, her as a black woman and him as a gay man. And then it's that controversy when he accidentally endorses, I believe it was Fawcett. Yeah, yeah. Um, then he goes on with her to do the fake prom and all that stuff. And, like, I, like, couldn't help but, like, say it to my roommate. Kind of, like, as a joke, but also very seriously. It's kind of, like, see, like, white people will end up supporting white people. Well, he didn't actually endorse Fawcett. He didn't, but at the end he ended up working with her to... To plan the prom. Right. When he, when he had the option not to. Um, he didn't have an option. He had he no did. option. No, he had to choose one of them, and he didn't end up choosing. Fawcett chose for him. And still, he actively worked with her to get her elected prom queen. I think in general, out of the three, he and Fawcett were shown as being closer. So it's not entirely surprising to me Fawcett really opens or tries to open her heart more to him than Caprice and Schley do um but no you're right I think that optically doesn't look great it doesn't look great and but it is also weird it was kind of necessary for the plot and for the trope to work for the school to start dividing right I guess but then again it's also, Brent and Caprice are like a match made in heaven because of how dramatic they are. So I right. felt like that pairing made sense to me. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I wait, don't... Did you just say, I guess? I'm saying <gasps> that the movie is not a masterpiece. <laughs> um, and because it pushes the boundaries a little bit, like from time to time, it could be distasteful yeah um at a, a points that it's like i don't know if i like this joke but that's a matter of you know me being a snowflake rather than a movie <laughs> being bad um i mean there there were very few i don't think there were any jokes in which i said "Ooh, that's too shocking or that's too offensive it's really weird that the outing it's it's like the event that sets the plot, but it's like an event that after 10 minutes is quickly forgotten. Well, be, it's, it's only because Tanner starts to benefit because of it. And like, it doesn't take a toll on his social life as much right. after those 10 minutes of movie time. It also just feels weird, the realization that Tanner has about being used, that culminates in him giving the speech at the end. Like, kind of, like, linking to what you said. It doesn't feel like anyone has respect, and yet he right. comes to this, like, persuasive speech in which people realize their ways and how bad they've acted, but it doesn't feel earned. It just feels that the movie ran out of budget, and they had <laughs> to have a teaching moment for those people. Um <laughs> How do you like the ending? How do you like the fact that they didn't end up together? I love that. I love that. I think we should normalize gay friendships. And as they explained, like, like they're going to walk through, like, after the credits roll, you know, maybe they date on and off for a few months, they go to college, and they drift apart, you know? And I think that right. they're attacking that head on, and they're saying, no, I want you in my life in a more meaningful way than a significant right. other as a best right. friend. And I think that's a super 
super important thing to say and a super important thing to put in teen comedies as well, especially when when we show in all these teen comedies that, that like, the best ending is when you get the man, you know? Right. Have you um, ever had an experience like this with um, someone you're close with? Another gay man, perhaps? Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't like gays. You've never become friends with someone, with another gay man, that you could have uh, potentially have some history with? No. Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the that's time. Like, that's like all my gay friends. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the long debate. We have had it in, in so many romantic comedies with, with men and women. If, like, men and, and women, can they be friends? And usually for romantic comedies, the answer is no. Right. And because gay men are hypersexualized in media, for us, it's like at least a requirement that before we are friends, we have to at least hook up with each other. Um, <laughs> and I'm and, ashamed to the extent <laughs> that that's been a thing in my life. But in general, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. From all the movies that we have discussed, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling to think of gay leads that had no romantic or sexual involvement other than to Wong Fu. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. forgetting, but... You know, it's very rare that we see two gay men being really close together and coming to the realization that they're better off as friends. I think right. that, like... It's really rare to see that on media, and that's something that happens that has happened in my life. Um, yeah, mine too. Often. Why can't we normalize that and still be friends? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it's different if like you've been in a relationship for five years and then you break up. You know, that's, right? That's different. Very different. Um, I'm not talking about that. Oh, work. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and this goes to, to the debate that, like, really gay men have sometimes very limited ways of meeting other gay men mm-hmm. outside of a non-sexual context. And, you know, it's very rare that media portrays that even if that sexual element has happened, them realizing that they're better off as friends. And I, re- I, I actually, as much as I personally would have wanted them to, like, try something out, I really do appreciate that they include that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that in the very near future we're going to see a, a movie with the same outcome. So, I would like for that to happen, but it just means yeah. that GBF becomes even more special. Right. What would have, could have, should have. I have nothing to say here. I think that everyone was cast really perfectly, right. and you know, I don't think that there's any woulda, coulda, or shoulda on my part for this movie, which may be the first time I've ever said that. Well, Paris is burning. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> well, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100%, yes, as kind of like how you said, the gay men portrayed in this film are actually gay men in real life. And I don't, and the director is gay. Correct. Yes. Um, Darren Stein is a gay man. I really do think that this is living proof of how when you have a director of a community direct a movie about experiences of that community, the, the material is elevated. Again, I don't think this is Oscar-worthy or anything, but I, I think that a gay person 
might see this and see themselves in the film, right? Some way or another, yeah. It made it made it made for a very good film. I have nothing to say. Wow! Oh my goodness! <laughs> this is just us. This whole episode is just us going back and forth, being like, "It was good, right? It was good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good." <laughs> um, Dahmer snub. Yeah, actually, this movie has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. It does. The audience um, score is 55%, but I don't really trust them. I just really do think that there's a lot of straight people that watch the film. Yeah. Um, on Metacritic, it has a 56%, which is indicating mixed or average uh, reviews. But not many critics saw this movie because it premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2013, before getting a very, very limited release in 2014 from right. Vertical Entertainment. I, I saw this through Netflix. It was on Netflix for a while. Um, really quickly, I want to say that it's actually kind of controversial. The film was initially, um, it received an R rating from the MPAA <gasps> for sexual references. And the director um, commented on it saying, I always thought of GBF as a PG-13 movie but we were given an R for sexual references while not having a single F-bomb, hint of nudity or violence in the film. Perhaps the ratings box should more accurately read for homosexual references or too many scenes of gay teens kissing. I look forward to a world where queer teens can express their humor and desire in a sweet, fun teen film that doesn't get tacked with a cautionary R. Wow, go off, Darren! Yes! Um, this uh, trend that, you know, we see with a lot of queer films. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. We saw it with But I'm a Cheerleader, that it was initially rated NC-17, I think. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. And they had to cut a lot of stuff it. And this film is no riskier than Mean Girls, in my opinion. Like, they literally, in Mean Girls, they literally have a minor having sex with a teacher. It's like, haha, that's PG-13, but do we, we have to gay teens kissing, we, like, never see any nudity, we never see any drug use, we never see... At times, it really felt like I was watching The the Good Place, because they refused to say an F-bomb where there should have been an F-bomb, yes, and it was, yes. like, quite noticeable. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's it's really weird that this movie is, is rated R. It's very sad, and I think, like the director said, I think that so many queer teens would love this movie... And I think I would have loved this movie if I saw it when I was 16 or 17. I think this has the makings of a cult classic. It's only been, like, seven years, but I think this could do it. I think that us being here talking about it, educating our community about the existence of this masterpiece might be <laughs> enough to make it a cult classic. I mean... I don't think, I don't think there's enough people... For that, however, please just see it. It's free on YouTube with ads, and yeah, it was snubbed. It didn't win. Shit. It didn't win. Oh, actually, it won three awards. Or uh, from the Film Out Awards in San Diego, the Film Out Festival, it won Best Soundtrack, Best Comedy, and Best Screenplay, and that's it. And I really think that that's a shame. You know what's weird? It's that glad didn't pay attention to this film. Right? And I and I think that it's very telling of GLAD as an organization, the kinds of pieces of media that they sometimes recognize are a little bit more, for lack of a better word, I want to say clean. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I also think that that it has to do with the distributor. For sure, but it's not like this movie is not unknown. If you Google gay movies, GBF almost always comes into the top ten. Ooh. As big of an organization as GLAAD is, it's impossible for them not to know about the existence of this film. And yeah, I like in general, I think that they enjoy more movies that have some educational value to them. Mm, um, yeah. Instead of this, which is really just like a funny satire. Right. Um, with right. no mainstream appeal whatsoever, in my opinion. I think it um, could have some mainstream appeal. I, I really th- think it could. I mean, Mean Girls did, and this is essentially Mean Girls, but. Right, but it's because <laughs> it's, it stands on the shoulders of white women. Support society, Mean Girls does. <laughs> yeah. GBF, I would find it really problematic if they were the ones holding this film together, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Is this movie, you know? Gay. Um, yes. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like the ones on Bravo. That's a quote from the movie. Like, one of the girls asks, are you even gay? You don't even sound like the ones on Bravo. Um, <laughs> this, this, this movie is so gay that... It doesn't eat any carbs except alcohol, of course. This movie That's also is, a part of the movie. <laughs> this movie is so gay that Josh came out of his parents telling them that he wanted to rent this DVD. Wow, I actually don't have this on DVD, but... Um, it's gayer than a very special episode of Glee. Oh, that was really good. I that made me laugh. They said that on the film. Yes. Um, I have like a list of like so many quotes that made me crack up because this movie is hysterical. But yeah, this um, movie is, you know. Oh, you know what also was really funny? Um, Megan Mullally taking photos of Tanner and uh, of Brent and and um, Caprice and Megan Mal- Megan Mullally is like, oh my god, you're so beautiful. You're so like. passing and then he was like i think my mom thinks that you're a drag queen it was like moments like that they're like really really oh and i want to say a nice little uh touch um from ivana lynch uh who plays luna lovegood in the harry potter universe oh yeah Um, she plays a homophobic christian and she knows how to play the part (laughs) um no shade to mrs lynch um and yeah that was, that's GBF. It was very, you know, gay. Because it was created by gay men, with gay men. And we are gay men. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think this movie is very, you know, and doesn't hold any punches. And if you're looking for a movie that's stupid, that will make you laugh. It's not and stupid. And you like... have an hour and 35 minutes free. It really goes so fast. It's it like, does. It, 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 they, it re- it's, it's a good movie. It's not high art. But if you like Mean Girls, like you shouldn't be raising eyebrows when you watch this. So yeah. Highly yeah. recommend. And now we move on to tops and bottoms of the week. Do you have news that this week, Fernando? I do, I do. Um, we were just slapped this week with the news that the this year's Grammys are going to be postponed because of COVID-19, that oh. little thing. Um, the 2021 Grammy Award Ceremony, which was uh, supposed to be held on um, Jan- January 31st, um, is postponed and will be now um, be held in March. Sunday, March 14th. Um, but that's the same day as the SAG Awards. 
people were really pissed at this year's Grammys. I wasn't going to watch them, but more than the Grammys themselves, you know, it raises the question. Like, we're going to start having, like, a lot of the Golden Globes and the SAG Awards and, and the Oscars, so it really raises the question, should we postpone them until it's safe to do so with people, or should we have them full on digitally? Well, here's why I think the Grammys and Tonys are a little different from the Oscars and Emmys. I think that the Grammys and Tonys, for, for the most part, people don't watch because they want to know who won. They watch because of the performances that happen. I mean, everyone remembers all the big performances at the Grammys and Tonys. They sell albums and whatnot. Whereas, you know, if it's just handing out awards, that can be done over Zoom, you know? I feel like because the Grammys is so based in performance and that's what people tune in to see, they want to wait until it can actually happen and not have to just do it over Zoom, you know? Yeah, but we have seen so many at-home performances throughout the pandemic. Right, but, like, are, are they, like, Beyonce and Dua Lipa level? They're the ones who have the most nominations at the Grammys this year, and well, everyone Dua wants Lipa to see... Dua Lipa had a full-on concert remotely. Uh, Studio 2054. Oh, um, right, they, right, 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 sold, I remember that. They sold tickets with Elton John, and it was, like, a whole spectacle. People from all over the world joined in. So it can be done. Miley Cyrus had a self-directed performance this year, too, for some awards. Lady Gaga had a full-on medley um, for the VMAs um, performing Chromatic. I think it could be done, but rather the question is, should we... I don't think that, you know, the Grammys were postponed so much because of it cannot be done, but rather is this the moment to to be... holding these ceremonies interesting interesting california which is where the grammys were going to take place is at an all-time high oh my god um, yeah with covid cases in la they started to ration uh oxygen for patients yeah icus are they're at a hundred percent capacity they're a hundred percent capacity absolutely and vaccine distribution is going to be slow so and you know we also had we are we are recording this at a time in which we recently had the storming of the Capitol by Trump supporters. So you know, like there's a lot of happening in the world. So it's not yes, the world, but let's be real. The Grammys are very U.S. centric, and there's a lot of happening in the yeah. U.S. So at the end of the day, the Grammys are also business and a media organization. So if they know that they're not going to be on the front page. They would rather just wait. At least until it's safer and until the hospital system in L.A. County is not so overwhelmed. Right. So do you think, you said it yourself, do you think that because the Oscars are not so performance heavy, should these award shows continue? I think, yes. I think they should. I think that award shows often end up speaking to the time that they're going on. I mean, I, I think I remember just a few years ago when a lot of the award shows were dominated by conversations about Me Too. And I think that these award shows, yeah, they are superfluous and, like, superficial. But I think they can also raise attention 
and interest in many issues. And one of and we have a big issue facing us, and that is COVID right now, among many other issues too. And so I re- I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the award show is the perfect remedy for it, but award shows speak to the time that they air. And I will say there's ways to do it. Right, um, exactly. And I think, I think the Emmys did a horrible job. Yeah, the Emmys was kind of Using... like a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> and no, but they were like, they did a horrible job in the sense that like a lot of the jokes were, ha ha, it takes 18 hours to get a test. Ha ha, we can't go outside at all. Ha ha, don't, like, I remember one of the jokes was literally like, here's the envelope. And people were like, oh my God, does that have COVID? And they burned the envelope. You know, like, right, those, right. Those things were not funny when we had a hundred percent capacity at an ICU. But luckily, um, the Grammys aren't humorous. They, right. the artists there, speak about serious issues. No, but that's why I'm saying, like, should and... the Oscars, which do tend to be humorous, there is a way. And I, and I, and with this, um, we're gonna move on to the next top and bottom. But there is a way to do these things. Um, and I want to point the seventy fourth Academy Awards. Hosted by Whoopi Goldberg, the opening monologue is selling YouTube. So go seventy fourth Academy Awards Whoopi Goldberg opening monologue, um, which were the first Academy Awards that happened after nine eleven, and it was seen as like you know using positivity and media and like this huge industry to kind of lift up America at a moment that they were still feeling vulnerable. It happened in March of two thousand and two, but still. And 9-11 was referenced throughout the ceremony. So there is a way to, to make the ceremonies in the middle of chaos or remembering chaos or remembering something and, and, and make them not a joke and be respectful of it. Do I think the Academy Awards should move? Yes, at a, not, only because, not only because, you know, it would be the nice and the right thing to do, but also because we haven't seen any of the movies that people are talking about. And, <laughs> um, and I really think it would be the wisest thing to postpone the same way that the Tonys have been doing it. I don't know if I would move the Oscars. I, I think they're going to have to, to take a step back and think, okay, how can we... Is this the right time to put on this show? And how can we make this show happen in a way that is still entertaining? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what's going to be on their minds. So, but we'll see. I I, I think the Grammys move, moving back is a top, though. It's a top. Yeah, yeah. There is so much to celebrate in America right now, but there is also so much that's causing pain. Yeah, and the Grammys are in my list of priorities. They've <laughs> right. never they've never been near the top, but this right, year right. specifically yeah. are just like, you know, yeah. I will, I will wait as long as it takes to see Dua Lipa sweep. Um, our next top and bottom has to do with the public domain. Ooh. So as of January 1st, 2021, all published works from 1925 have entered the public domain. Woo! That means that you don't have to pay copyright for the story if you want to do an adaptation on it. A whole batch of works have become public domain this year. And the most high profile of them has been F. Scott Fitzgerald's famous novel, The Great Gatsby. 
So obviously now everyone's working on their Great Gatsby stage adaptations and musicals and whatnot. But there's a growing group of people on Twitter who want to see a Muppet version of The Great Gatsby. Have you heard about this? I heard about this. Um, I think I don't it's like so it. funny. I mean, I think that Gatsby is the wrong story for Property, Muppet. Yeah. For, like, a Muppet reimagining. Just for, for, for reference, some of the other stories that the Muppets have reimagined are well, um, there's Treasure Muppet, Island. Yeah, and, and Muppet Christmas Carol. And the Muppets Wizard of Oz. Yes. Um, to, yeah, those are, there's three only, I think. Because there's the Muppets Go to New York, which is an original story. And the, then yeah, the, yeah, the Muppets Take Manhattan. The Disney Muppets yeah. with Jason Siegel and Amy Adams right, in the sequel. Right. The Muppets um, have never taken an adult story like this one. And I don't want to see Kermit being... Well, that's the other thing. You, in order for it to work... Miss Piggy would have to be Daisy, and Kermit would have to be Gatsby, and the human would have to be Nick. Right. Um, but the problem is that it would be the fun, because Nick is such a dull character, it would just, like, look stupid having a human play him. In general, it's, like, way too much of an adult story for the Muppets to do. Yes. Also, like, I'm sorry, but I don't think we're gonna see another Muppet movie for a while, they didn't make money. They haven't made made money. The uh, the new Disney ones, the Muppets in twenty eleven and Muppets Most Wanted in, in twenty fourteen. The Muppets had a had a short lived TV show on ABC that lasted less than a season before it was canceled. Um, and now they just have shorts on Disney Plus. Are they good? I think that they're they're very funny. Um, it's not for everyone. It's it's definitely what's, a new take on the Muppets. But what's the tone? Is it a little bit more adult? No, I wouldn't say so. It's just like Muppets in the age of social media content. Okay. Um, that's dumb. I would love adult Muppets. I think... Well, well, that's what that they the, tried to do with the ABC television right. show. And that, I, I mean, they just kind of went a little too far and lost the essence of the characters there. Mm-hmm. I think that the... I, I actually love the Muppets, the... The whatever two thousands whatever Amy Adams Jason Siegel movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. I think that's like a great balance of tone. In it, fact, it's like it's so difficult to make a Muppet mood movie. I've heard of so many stars in Hollywood who have been like, "Oh yeah, I have a screenplay that I wrote for the Muppets, and it never got made." And that happens so often. I remember. Like, throughout the last te- 10 years, all of these stars and writers say, saying, oh, there's a Muppet script in development, and it never goes anywhere. And so... It's I hard. Like, it is. It's, just, it's hard. Yeah. It's just also, like, a really tricky property. I feel like no one knows to do with the Muppets. Yeah. Only, only Jim Henson did. May he rest in peace. Forget about rights. What's the story that you would like to see the Muppets remake? Ooh, that is a great question. I would actually love to see Murder on the Muppet Express, um, an adaptation of Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. I think that whodunits are great vehicles for, for, uh, for the Muppets to balance that, that thrilling drama and conflict, but also like, like the humor, the slapstick qualities of the Muppets. So yeah, I think Murder on the Orient Express uh, would be great. I think Muppet Don Quixote would be great. 
Um, anything but Muppet Alice in Wonderland. I'm sorry, but there are too many fucking Alice in Wonderland adaptations, and none of them are that good because Alice in Wonderland is not good. Well, now, well, for Orient Express, you only have to wait until... Ten years. Ten years, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, 20, 2034. Right. So. I want I want Muppets nineteen eighty four. I think that would be great. Oh my god. <laughs> Muppets Lower the Flies. <laughs> Muppets Fahrenheit four fifty one. Muppets Brave New World. <laughs> I think there's like a good potential here. Muppet Lame you know? Rob. <laughs> um Le Mopperable. I think I sent I told you this already. Oh, but did you know War and Peace? Anna Karenina. I think Anna Karenina would be Okay, great. but did you know that there is a book series called Muppets Meet the Classics? And they have a book called Muppets Meet the Classics, The Phantom of the Opera. And Uncle Deadly is the Phantom of the Opera. And it's a like a 300-page like book with the Muppets cast. I don't as, know and Kermit plays Raoul and Miss Piggy is Christine. I'm... I can I can tell you for my life I cannot name more than three Muppets. Oh. Well, he plays the Phantom in this book. I don't know how that works because you can't really see them in the book. It's not like a picture book or anything. At least I don't think it is. So like, it's kind of interesting that they did a um, a Muppet Phantom of the Opera. I think they could easily make that into a movie or a musical, it would be so great if, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber just gave them the rights to, like, use his music. Muppet Cats. Oh, my God. Maps. Maps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. I, like, oh, The Giver. Oh, my God. No. You could see it. You could see it. The Muppet of Dorian Gray. No. But The Giver? <laughs> no! I like The Giver. No! As The Muppets? Oh, no! <laughs> um, Grapes of Wrath? Oh, my God. The Color Purple would be problematic, oh but highly entertaining. <laughs> um, Catcher in the Rye? Muppet Cat? No. No, absolutely um, not. To Kill a Bird? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. My name is Atticus Frog. <laughs> Stupid. Um, one of my favorite books is Lord of the Flies, and I actually really would love to see the Muppets reinvented. In general, though, I I will say the idea is like, that. But like the scene with the pig, how are they going to do that? It has to be Miss Piggy, but like, that's just morbid. That's very morbid. <laughs> Um, in general, I, like, don't think that the world needs more Muppet movies, so I'm gonna say this is the bottom. I think this is a verse. I don't want people just, like, spouting out Muppet ideas and then not supporting them, because I feel like if there are this many people who love the Muppets, then these Muppet properties should be making more money. All 150 of them. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I think that, you know, the, the Muppets are a tricky property to, to do fun stuff with. 
as you said, and I think a lot of different directions have been taken, and no one really knows what to do with them. Yeah, Disney's kind of just sitting on them right right now. So, I think it's it's a top that that we get fresh new ideas from from people on how to reinvigorate the Muppets. But I think it's a bottom because I don't want to see the Great Gonzo, like as what some some people have been calling the Great Gatsby Muppet adaptation. It's like, yeah, just because Gonzo's name starts yeah. with G and Gatsby starts with G, it's not going to make it a good movie. Um, also, speaking of the Muppets, I just want to plug that I actually have a Muppet-related TikTok that I run, and it's based on my impressions of Kermit and Miss Piggy. I sing famous songs as them. So check me out. I'm at Muppet Duets on TikTok. Just wanted to put that out He's there. good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank I, you. I would be the first one to say if you weren't, but you are. Oh, that's <laughs> so sweet. What a wonderful endorsement. <laughs> so those are our tops and yeah, bottoms. Well, oh. <laughs> yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um, as always, please follow us at it's this movie, you know, that pod on Instagram. Or you can email us at is this movie you know at gmail.com. But you guys know this because you must have listened to our opening. Yes, but maybe they skip. Maybe <laughs> people skip. I don't know if you skip. I don't know your life, people. Um, but thank you everyone for listening and I hope you join us in the next episode. And we have a ton of great episodes um, that we have already released. So if you're bored, please go listen to them. Again, if you already have. Even if you're not bored, if you just want something to do, if you're incredibly interested in something else, put our podcast on. Thank you, everyone, and have a good day. (laughs) Bye.